I'm black. You're white. Now what? So what if I say the wrong thing? You probably will. Who doesn't? But I'll do my best to listen. Maybe if we're humble enough to listen to each other. Maybe if we're brave enough to lean into those difficult conversations. We might. We could. Come up with some answers. Make some real progress. Discover how much we have in common. And appreciate our differences. Now you're talking. Good evening. I'm David Conley, communications consultant. And I'm Chris Thurber, clinical psychologist. And welcome to another uh, edition of I'm Black, You're White. Now here we what? go. Uh, here we go. Season Bring two it. in full swing. Yeah, yep. so we're doing good. Um, how are things with you? Good. You know, it's been an interesting uh, start to the school year, but glad mm-hmm. that so many people are vaccinated and glad that we have some opportunities to um, be more in community. That feels really good. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm sure. Um, I'm happy about that too. I mean, I'm not having to deal with kids like in high school anymore. I only got uh, one still in college, but he is uh, very happy to be up and amongst, you know, people at at the school. So I'm really happy about that, but just about, you know, being able to kind of, kind of be out and, you know, and get out of the stir craziness of just being yeah. stuck inside the four walls. And so no, like if uh, someone's listening to a recording of this, you know, podcast or vlog in five years saying, what are they talking about? What you know, right. I don't even remember, you know, the pandemic or something. I think that in, for me, the enduring experience is going to be of loneliness. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, I hear yeah. you. that's, that's true. You know, in ways that you, you know, you never kind of thought you would. It's very oh, yeah. interesting how, you know, yeah. how impacted yeah. uh, we have all been by, by the pandemic. And then uh, how it is yet another thing that, you know, sort of continues to, to polarize us just, yeah. you know, just the response to it is, yeah. is very interesting. Um, so today I kind of wanted to, I guess, kind of wrap with you about, uh, some things that are going on and I guess how we deal with, um, tragedies, you know, uh, things that would, that would befall us, that would be, uh, sort of terrible things and how we, how, how I guess race can play a part in how those tragedies are perceived or, um, or processed. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. One thing I've been reading a lot about uh, is really sad is uh, the apparent uh, murder of the young lady, uh, Miss uh, Petito. Yes. Is, uh, the name I believe. Yes. Um, it was a really sad story for such a young life, you know, to, to be taken like that. Any life to be taken is, is sad, yeah. but I'm just, you know, it's just a sad story. And, Godspeed to the law enforcement who's trying to find her killer, uh, particularly the person who was the person of interest and on the run, uh, apparently. So it's it's just a a quagmire by itself, and and you hope that justice is is swift. Um, But it has brought up some very real and very serious um, conversations, or I should say brought them back to the forefront because um i've i've had these discussions before uh in depth about about how serious if there's going to be a serious nationwide uh outpouring of media coverage uh for someone being missing as mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. a lot of this came up she was missing um uh, or to find the killer or what have you um that seems to be when that person is white female. Um, whereas the perception is when that's a person of color and they're missing, there's less of a sense of urgency uh, with getting the word out, with yes. finding them and, and that kind of thing. So I thought it would be sort of an interesting thing to uh, to talk about just um, how we view human life and how 
race seems to play a part, you know, sadly in that as well. Um, and I say seems because maybe, you know, the, your perspective is different and, and maybe um, some facts would, you know, bear me out different, but I, I don't see a lot of women of color getting the same coverage uh, that this young And let me first be very clear and say, I do not begrudge the media coverage that uh, Ms. Petito is getting. And, and I know this must be horrible for her family, loved ones, uh, and all of that. So this is not to say that nobody should uh, look should have looked for her or should look for uh, to bring her killer to justice or any of that. I'm not saying any of that. You absolutely right, right. should do that. Yes. All I'm saying is that, and all I think people who have this discussion are saying is that um, the same energy. <laughs> I'd like to have that same energy when it's, you know, uh, a, a person of color, you know? And yeah. so, mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the things that you and I have returned to thematically in I'm black, you're white. Now what is the distinction between a kind of overt racism where someone with malicious intent, like a white person calls a black person, the N word. Mm-hmm. And that sadly still happens. It can't be anymore. What, people think only about when somebody says there's racism here, there's racism there, or Mm -hmm. asks themselves, am I racist? You cannot simply say, for example, well, I don't call my black friends the N word. Ergo, I am not racist Mm -hmm. because it ignores that, that simplified definition or saying, you know, even more, I guess, uh, short-sighted, well, slavery ended with the Civil War. Right. What's the big deal? You know, so we've come back to this notion that this insidious kind of racism that we want people to work on or that you and I have been really talking a lot about has some subtlety to it uh, mm-hmm. but it's not invisible for mm-hmm. example what kind of balance is there in the number of white women who go missing in this country every year and the number of black women who go missing every year in this country did i say every country in this year okay (laughs) the number of white and black women or men or children for that matter who go missing uh is it is is the news coverage equivalent right Mm -hmm. i mean if there were a hundred more white women who went missing than there were black women then I suppose equivalent coverage would be something like a hundred times more headlines related to these white women than the black women. I don't think that's the case. Um, And, you know, whatever the color of the person's skin, if they happen to be a celebrity or if they happen to be attractive, those are other reasons why it makes the headlines. And what, what bothers me is that, News outlets, of course, but it doesn't necessarily have to be this way, have a profit motive. Mm -hmm. They need to sell newspapers or they need to sell advertising on their app. And I, I don't know how I feel exactly. I know I have mixed feelings about having different news apps on my phone knowing that when I click on there, someone has decided for me that one story is more newsworthy than another story. So that's what I end up seeing. And they haven't decided arbitrarily. They've decided based on, you know, test cases and, you know, 
comparing A to B and which gets more clicks and how long people spend on the app. And that's what worries me is if we can sell more advertising on this particular app by featuring a missing white woman and the tragic and also intriguing mystery behind her death, then, you know, and relatively less time if the person was black, indigenous, or person of color, should I even have that app on my phone? You know, should I, should I be letting an organization decide for me and, and in some kind of implicit way be telling me it's more important that this person went missing than that person. And, yeah, right. and, and I'm saying I, uh, number one, I agree with that uh, because I would, I don't want that either. I just want um, the news as best yeah. as possible. But the other thing is the assumption that um, because I've, I've heard arguments like that before too, but the assumption in that argument is that uh, that bias is playing no role in um and you deciding what is going to generate more income for the yeah. in other words you're saying that um that people will care less that indigenous people or uh, women are being uh, abducted and trafficked and missing in the whole you know montana area they care less about that than they would one white woman that even the indigenous people would care less about that than the one, you know what I mean? I, I think that yeah. that, but I'm, and, and that's what, that's what's being said. And more so that's what's being fed, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the audience. And I think that, that, that it's a vicious cycle with that, you know, mm, and I think right. that that's sad. It's not, it's not entirely true that, that people will care less about mm-hmm, missing mm-hmm. black person than they will. But I think you get to further perpetuate that, especially right. if you want to be able to say uh, these people matter less, you know? Right. Um, right. Meanwhile, the suffering is universal. Yeah. What, what each parent of those women would go through would arguably be the same magnitude and whatever, depending on their relationship with the child and how that's played out and, you know, all of that. But I'm saying just, just generically a mother or father's love for their child would have the same intensity. If the child, if, if my child goes missing, I will be as crushed and as driven to find them and or whoever, whoever took them as I imagine you would be. You know, um, so I would not want somebody telling me, even if it's based on some data that suggests you can sell more laundry soap if you put your child on the news than mine. Right. I, I that would that would be you know like horribly <laughs> insulting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and but also it's it's. It's one of those things that that people like to say about race that says, well, in a backdoor way and sometimes in an in-your-face way that this is a justification for how this treatment is. This is a justification Mm. for why we can treat people of color as deficient because, well... I mean, there really isn't a lot of care about them that much anyway, so they must matter less. Right. I mean, anything that would imply or give the impression without explicitly stating that people from one group have a different status as human beings than people from another Mm -hmm. group. And I'm adopting some of the language that I've learned from you and this conceptualization of, of, of equal status. Um, When the implication is 
of unequal status and 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 that message is coming from an, an authoritative source mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a news agency um there's lots and lots of data we have now suggesting that if the whatever you're peddling true false or somewhere in the middle if you do it under mm. the banner of being a news agency mm -hmm. people will in large part believe it and yeah eat it up you know if one of the things they're believing is people from this group their lives are not worth as much as people from that group um that's a kind of insidious racism that mm -hmm. we need to do everything we can to fight against. Um, and it's what we want to raise people's consciousness about. Um, in, in addition, obviously, to the obvious kinds of racism, but we don't want them to stop and become complacent that, okay, well, look, I, as I said earlier, I don't use the N word. So I don't, like I don't need to look any further into this issue. Um, right. I was looking at uh, looking uh, David an article um, that was about the social justice headlines mm -hmm. from the I want to say like winter spring of twenty twenty mm -hmm. and this article characterized it as like a new civil rights movement in a sense, um, because it, there was, you know, so much energy, so much dialogue protests, um, you know, tragic cases, some of which we've talked about on the podcast. And mm -hmm. one of the things that sort of flashed on the screen was the narrator was saying, we have still a lot of work to do. Some things have changed, but relevant to our discussion right now, and we're not necessarily pointing the finger at the corporations or the consumers of the products that the corporations are making. As you said, it's a cycle and there's a shared responsibility, but mm -hmm. um, they showcased some of the products like Uncle Ben's rice, Aunt Jemima, mm -hmm. Uh, maple syrup or maple flavored mm. syrup. Um, I had to say that I'm from New Hampshire. Mm. There's, dude, there is a <laughs> difference between maple syrup and maple flavored syrup. Right. With all due respect, um, but I don't. I and I can't remember. There might have been a third product, but that feature, you know, a black person mm -hmm. or a caricature almost of a black person, and you know, I will tell you that. I never thought anything more than let's make rice when mm -hmm. I would pull out the box of Uncle Ben's rice. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that we ever had Aunt Jemima syrup, but I certainly had it at friends' houses or at summer camp. And my point is, you know, I'm, I, I'm saying by not thinking about it, I'm as guilty as anyone of consuming something that has a message associated with it, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily negative. I mean, if it were David's filmmaking studio or David's special, uh, you know, eight millimeter retro, you know, movie camera, and you mm -hmm. want to put your face on it, like, that's awesome for you. Um, but I guess I don't remember the ads for those things, but there, it certainly did not sit well with consumers. And this is, again, an example of what we're talking about, that this was the branding. I don't know. I just want to know what you think about that, because I feel like it's complicated. Um, I don't know the origin of these brands, and therefore I'm speaking only as a consumer, not as a you know, product researcher, but I'm, I, I think I that's part of the thing though, on me. because they, they have evolved 
uh, over time. But the the it's not just the fact that you have black people on them. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the black people were slave representations before. Okay. And so now they have, in, in I say recent years, I guess maybe the last 20, 30, uh, now they're off the boxes altogether uh, yeah. in those two instances. But they have been given makeovers to make them less slave-like because people had been upset about them before. But hmm. um, if you, you can just kind of Google them, you know, like the history of some of those things and some of the advertisements with uh, like very dark, very offensive uh, figures that was used to sell uh, all sorts of goods like that. Back in, this is a um, like an evolution from that. Okay. So that's that's more the problem than just having. Um, I think I think if you are Dave's uh, eight millimeter retro cameras on, and Dave was you know a free entrepreneurial uh, black man who, you know, came up with this thing and put it on, that's, I think that's different. And I don't think people would see it as the same. I think if you dressed uh, David up in, in some slave clothes, made him look like he was running and the millimeter logo you had made it look like he was (laughs) running to freedom. People would take issue with that or, you know what I mean? Uh, Anything that, that, spoke of you know some minstrel thing or something like that it would be right. it would be different so i think it's it's that context that we want to people want to forget but still you know sort of subtly hold on to and the subtlety yeah. is is more the problem and more the thing that i think uh, i'm speaking to even with regard to uh how we say this life matters more than this other, it's it's what that subtly says to people, and they're like you with the consuming of the Uncle Ben's or, mm-hmm. or the uh, maple flavored syrup. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that they? Uh, Thank you. They, <laughs> they are, this is why we're such good uh, friends. You are such right, a good exactly. Uh, know how to read the room, um, <laughs> but you. <laughs> Heads up, white guy from New Hampshire, like right. He's very sensitive about oh the maple goodness. flavor, sir. But uh, I learned something new. I didn't know that. But, he was just, <laughs> um, but I'm saying it, it's it's that subtle message, right? That kids get that uh, you know people who are like like sadly there's there's a hope that the police will find. Uh, our daughters if they go missing but the somewhere woven in that expectation uh is the expectation that they won't be taken all that seriously that that i will first have to prove that um you know she wasn't prostituting or just you know (laughs) and i'm not saying i'm not trying to blanket all law enforcement to say that's how they would think or whatever i guess i'm just talking about the the newsworthiness of it to the degree that there is a nationwide be on the lookout for my daughter. Right. There right. are a bunch of, uh, you know, women who don't feel that. And to be fair, um, there may be a bunch of uh, white women who ever had that same experience when their daughters have gone missing, mm-hmm. particularly if they are not uh, white women of any sort of status in society. Uh, so status in that way mm-hmm. um, or whatever. But, um, but I, I just, certain studies about how people look at images of white girls and black girls and how they decide which ones are positive, negative, yeah. Uh, you know, all of that, these are scientific studies that, yeah, that have a place in how these things play out in the media. They get excused by saying, well, this sells more papers, but part of the reason it does is because we're still training ourselves and training each other to look at these differences, uh, as, as deficient. And that, yes, 
you know, is uh, people is, is who are interested. Problem. Oh, sorry. Say that last thing again. No, I just said and that is a big problem. And that is a problem. People who are interested in understanding that problem more should go onto YouTube and search for the research that Kenneth and Mamie Clark did at Columbia University. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Mamie Clark was the first black woman to earn a PhD in the Columbia Graduate School of Education. Um, in any case, as a couple, they conducted the first studies that um, of, of the nature you're describing, where children are shown mm-hmm. um, children of different uh, ethnicities. In, in the original research that Kenneth and Mamie Clark did, they were asking uh, first a group of black children shown a white doll and a black doll. Mm-hmm in sequence, um, or in this case together, um, point to the good doll and then point to the, you know, the white doll, uh, you know, point to the bad doll, point to the pretty doll. Now these are dolls that in their dress and their hair and what they're, you know, um, at least what the doll makers were striving to convey as their gender were identical except for their skin tone. And, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this has now, you know, been replicated 50, 60 years later now with um, intermediate skin tones and asking black kids and white kids and Latinx kids and other BIPOC kids, um, mixed race kids. And you often find what Kenneth and Mamie Clark did, uh, which is that for a multitude of reasons, but this is, you know, what's scary because it doesn't necessarily have to be as explicit as we imagine. Um, Children of all different ethnicities will label lighter colored skinned dolls as the good ones or the pretty ones, Mm -hmm. despite no differences except the skin color. And of course there are exceptions. And of course we can think about some of the ways in which uh, you know, you and I've talked about this exposure to lots of different people and experiences and um, sure. points of view and uh, cultural traditions and, you know, body shapes and sizes and colors begins to help a person create a data set in their own head that decouples. Mm-hmm differences in status with skin color uh, or other indicators of race. And, you know, that, that is what we need to do. It happens naturally for some people and not with others. And what we're talking about today, you know, what things that we absorb during the day without thinking about it a lot, what's a headline, what's a product, how is it portrayed? you know, Kenneth and Amy Clark were the ones who showed that there are enduring influences, you know, it's just. And then, and it's what we practice once, like, like looking at a study like that will make you aware of, of the fact that that thinking is out there and probably in here. Um, but then we get to, and you and I've had this, this, this uh, discussion before too, so now we get to the now what, you know, right. what what are you going right. to do about it once you realize it? And I think part of the thing with with dealing with all of the things regarding race uh, period is about changing that dynamic from thinking differences mean deficiency. Yes. You, you, as long as we practice seeing each other like you were talking about earlier with equal high status regardless of what the differences are then I think we'll go a long way in you know like minimizing the effects of these things the occurrences the the number of occurrences Um, there will be I think an increased demand in making sure that 
Uh, it's not as easy to take and get away with uh, moving, you know, some of our daughters uh, through, you know, this this trafficking and killing, yeah. killing them and, and that kind of thing without anybody but us caring about them. You know, that, that yeah. whole thing would change. Um, this is a, the, a great movie years ago. Uh, I say years ago, like it was the, you know, <laughs> fit, the fifties. It was like ninety in the nineties. Uh, uh, a time to kill. Uh, yes, Sam Jackson and uh, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. and 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 for those people who may have not seen uh, the movie, spoiler alert: it's only been out thirty years. So, maybe, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, anyway, we'll, we'll, but, we'll show some stills in a clip here in a minute. Yeah, but it, it's a. Uh, it's a movie where Sam Jackson is a father whose daughter uh, was essentially kidnapped, brutalized uh, by these uh, redneck white men uh, in Mississippi, I believe. At any rate, uh, and when he figured they were going to get away with uh, nearly killing his daughter, but they, they did horrible stuff to her and then dumped her over a bridge, uh, he came in and killed them. He comes into the courtroom, and, right? Into the courthouse, yeah, and yeah. kills him. And uh, so he's on trial for um, for their murders. And Matthew McConaughey is uh, charged with defending him. And so there's a really great speech uh, that kind of sums up everything we've we've talked about yeah. uh, through all these episodes, in my opinion. Uh, where Sam Jackson is essentially saying that he's he's clarifying things for Matthew McConaughey, who was sort of defeated and saying that, well, there's mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. Uh, more uh, points of law that I can argue. Uh, there's no, I, I don't know what to do to essentially, you know, get you acquitted. And he's telling him, listen, man, you know, uh, you think we're friends, but we're not friends. You know, I, I, we, I, I know you, you know, you come and eat at the soul food restaurant or whatever, but we're not, you know, friends. And, yeah. and, you know, our kids will probably never play together or whatever. He's saying, I understand that. He says the words that he's, uh, America's a war, he says, and you're on the other side. You don't mean to be. You want to be a nice guy and everything, but you see me as a black man before you see me as a man. Yeah. And that's and that's the problem. And so he said he tells him that you have to think about what it would take for you if you were on the jury to set me free, because you're them. You think like them. When called on it, you don't. But for real, in in what you've been trained to, so you can't not think like that. So he's saying, you my secret weapon. I love it when he says <laughs> yeah. it. That's why I picked you. You my secret weapon. That's why I picked you. So you, um, you know, and so uh, Matthew McConaughey goes on to get him acquitted because he, and this is what I mean about uh, the missing uh, white girl syndrome thing. He does a closing argument, Matthew McConaughey does, where he tells the jury to close their eyes. And he details all of the brutality step by step that happened to this black girl, how she was bound, how she was uh, sexually assaulted, how she was beaten, uh, the bones that were broken. I mean, the whole mm. gruesome tale. And then how she was thrown over a bridge and all this. And he's like, can you see her? They're lying there, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of it, he says, imagine, now imagine she was white and everybody in the jury is like, opens their eyes like, you know, it's just a shock, like a lightning bolt to him. Because until that point, because of the context of the case, they had been seeing her as black. Right. And so even though it was brutal and and all of that, um, they were less moved until he said, now imagine she was white and then imagining she was white got sam jackson's character acquitted yeah just the ability to close that gap between what i would feel as a father and what you chris would feel as a father being able to close that gap by removing 
the fact that I am a black father and you are a right. white father. We're fathers and you know. Right. I I just I feel like that would cut a lot of this out. And that's what I mean sometimes when we're talking and I say, you know, I just I don't understand. I was talking when we were talking about the police brutality thing and they were, we were talking, it was a guy I was talking with and we were talking about the killing of unarmed black men in America. And he made a comment to me about white men getting killed by police. And I said, well, why are we not up in arms about that? Because I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that many of them like that were getting killed. And if that's the case, I'm mad about that. Like, why are we not mad just that American citizens are being unjustly killed in the streets? Like, why do we have to make it black men for you to care or not care? You should just care that there are people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being that this is happening to. And that should outrage you enough to where whatever your political leaning is, you should say that part of it has to stop. And it doesn't mean I don't back police. It doesn't mean I don't. It means I want what I would want for me and my kid, for you and your kid. Yeah. I don't I don't understand why that and it's the same way with the missing girls. I would want uh the missing anybody, but we're talking about the the ladies. I would want the police to be just as zealous for my daughter is your daughter and your daughter is my yeah. daughter. I, I would want the the media coverage to be just as intense. I would want to stop people from doing this to women, not just black women, not just white women. But when you do the other thing that we're talking about, you send that message that brutalizing the girl in the time to kill is terrible, but not quite as terrible because she's black. And it's not until you say, now imagine she's white, that that changes for you and it gets, right. you know, a whole lot brighter. Yeah, this moment when he says, now imagine she's white and the jury is just shocked and, you know, like opening their eyes um, is proof positive that they could that they were thinking very differently about brutalizing a young black girl than they would think about brutalizing a young white girl. And mm-hmm. at one point when Samuel L. Jackson is trying to describe to Matthew McConaughey, who, you know, having just rewatched that scene, he's Matthew McConaughey's listening, um, mm-hmm. not yet, understanding or maybe not understanding completely but more at the end but that's what samuel jackson is trying to describe to him that mm-hmm. he says you know i've it's there's a white judge and a white jury mm-hmm. i like i don't have a chance and then mm-hmm. as you pointed out he says you know you're my secret weapon but his the the gamble that Sam Jackson's character is taking is that Matthew McConaughey is going to understand this and not right. be so angry to uh, you know at Sam Jackson like saying we're on different sides of this mm-hmm. we we just um, because you see me as a black man not as a man and maybe that could change for you. It's not going to change for the jury. And Mm -hmm. then it gets, you know, Matthew McConaughey's wheels turning. You know, I have to tell you. That's a good point, though, because uh, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, That's a good point. Because that's kind of one of the other problems I think we have these days, too, is to even have this kind of discussion, there's that resistance because everybody gets angry and defensive, right. which Matthew McConaughey's character could have gotten. Yeah, don't tell me how to do my me. job. Look, I'm the lawyer right. here, so. Right, and and don't call me, uh, you know, like racist or align me right. with those people. Instead, he says, well, wait a minute. What would I have to hear if I was 
them you know what right and 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 then as he gets that understanding he's able to give that understanding later in that closing argument and i think that's one of the things that you know we also have to do and i say we because you know black people have to do it you know on our side uh you know as well um is everybody just has to start saying what would it take you know to right. convince right which is you just set me such free a great question right it's, it's, it's yeah. such a beautifully written monologue i mean it's a dialogue for a mm-hmm. while but what samuel L. jackson says at the end i need you to think about what it would take what you would need to hear mm-hmm. to see me for the jury to see me as a, if you were sitting on that jury what, what would, would it take for you to set me free? That's what you yeah. said. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. What would it, what would you need yeah. here for you to set me free? It reminds me, um, and I know we're coming up on time, but when I was, I have to think seven or eight, I'm thinking of the house. So a long, in, so a long time ago. Before black, back when the world was black and white. <laughs> Uh, long before a time to kill was produced before the nineties. Um, but, but I know I was seven because, um, I know where the TV was and the TV was black and white, um, Mm -hmm. in our basement. And I was allowed to watch cartoons for an hour and a half on Saturday morning, which I loved. Again, back in the day, four channels, ABC, NBC, PBS. Right. right. TV went off at night. Yeah. Right. Um, so highly pixelated that I think any kids today watching it would not recognize it as a cartoon. But there was a PSA, a public service announcement that you may have seen or remember. It's It's a vastly simplified version of this scene that we're talking about from A Time to Kill. But a grandfather and a boy who was about my age, seven, both white, are out in a rowboat on a pond fishing alone, two Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. And and the camera kind of zooms in and the boy says, Grandpa, David says I'm prejudiced, not Mm -hmm. racist, but, um, and the grandfather says, Who's David? And the boy says, my black friend. And the mm-hmm. grandfather says, you are prejudiced. Mm-hmm. And I must have seen that 50 times every mm-hmm. Saturday until, and you have to imagine, my parents are upstairs asleep. My brother's sitting there mm-hmm. watching two years younger, um, waiting for the cartoons. I don't know what crossed his mind. I won't speak for him, but... Basically, I was just confused for a year until after seeing it so many times, I thought, no, now I understand um, by saying David's my black friend rather than David's my friend, you're, you're doing what Sam Jackson's character is trying to explain you're seeing me as a member of this out group, not as a fellow human being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, it's just, and I, I think the PSA continued. I still, you know, despite the fact that it offered an explanation, I was not getting it until I'd seen it enough times to wrap my head around it. Um, because I was thinking, well, black is a descriptor. Like, I don't know, David's mm-hmm. my friend who plays basketball or David's my friend who is a film writer. Um, but, uh, you know, that. But I think the boy says. If your friend was white, you wouldn't say. He's you my white friend. Being white wouldn't say my white friend, blah, blah, blah. You wouldn't right. say that. You would just say my friend. Which I think is what the grandfather in that PSA, I'll try to find it, goes back and says, or the the boy says, how come? And the grandfather says, well, if he were, he doesn't make the comparison to white, but he says, Mm -hmm. well, 
if he's your friend, you would just say he's my friend, not my black friend. It's maybe more eloquent than that, but um, mm. <clears throat> they should still show that. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Now, um, now it, more than ever. Probably. Yeah, right? Um, but but no, I mean, I, that's a, I, I wish I had seen that. I don't, I don't remember that. I would like to see that. But it's... Um, it, that's exactly it. You see, you see, when you see people as different and see them as their yeah. difference first, then it's like, you know, this is, uh, and, and, and I want to be clear. I think it's important to understand that there are differences. Mm-hmm. I'm never trying to say, that you should not see color. Right. I think that there's color for a reason. I just don't think that reason is to automatically say that this person is less than some kind of way or less worthy of consideration because of said color. Right. That this right. person in a dangerous kidnapped situation is less worthy of being found and looked for and all the wagon circled because of the the difference in the mm-hmm. skin color. That's what I mean by, you know, the thing about the differences, but I, I do think it's important to see them and to learn from them and know, I think it increases our, you know, our cultural IQs. There's oh, yeah. a term that gets thrown around a lot, but I think it increases all of that and makes you, uh, you know, grow more as a person, but you do have to start with and finish with the fact that, whatever I'm bringing to the table from wherever I come from is beneficial to whatever this relationship is that mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. and I have or potentially have. And I think that's the the part that gets missing is that whatever my difference is and the race uh, is more immediately seen, it we start that from a negative just because we think that because you're this race somehow and you're right. different somehow you're you're deficient or like I said less worthy of of that yeah. and that's the problem yeah yeah and so yeah just at I was able to quickly find um just the beginning of your your comment there the the PSA I don't know if you want to give me screen sharing uh power uh-huh. here I can play it. It'll be interesting to see whether it, um, whether it's exactly as I remember it, but, um, but I, and it's from the 1970s, it says, so I have no idea uh, whether. Let's see here. There you go. What is my memory for this? Um, Okay. So I'm going to share my screen and we'll, we'll play this and see what we think uh, before mm-hmm. we wrap up. Um, let's see, share sound, optimize for video. Grandpa, yesterday Jimmy said I was prejudiced. Do you know what uh, prejudice is? No. Well, prejudice is when you react to someone because of their religion or their comfort. But I don't do that. Who is Jimmy? Jimmy's one of my Jewish friends. Then you are prejudiced because you think of Jimmy as your Jewish friend and not your friend. So that version says um, you think of Jimmy as your Jewish friend and not your friend. I'll, I, I know the one I saw was also, you know, there were probably other versions mm-hmm. of this um, that, and I, you know, apologies for the bad video we we may cut it out and splice <laughs> in a better version but right, right. The, you know, the, the point is you know props to this grandfather who is taking the time to explain that difference mm-hmm. absolutely and and hopefully we can start doing that more with our young people to where as they get older you know, I'm encouraged by young people today. I think they're doing some of this anyway. Um, but 
crossing some of these divides, you know, better. Yeah. Um, and so that's all we can hope is that the next generation uh, does better, but it's going to yeah. take us having some conversations like, you know, them in that boat and uh, conversations like you and I are having here. So, yeah. Well, let's have I more. Hope, yeah, let's do that. I hope uh, they find, like I said, bring uh, Miss Petito's murder to yes. uh, Petito's murder to justice and uh, that they find all missing ladies and yes. uh, bring any abductors of theirs to justice. Let's just stop being cruel to each other. And um, Amen. just be better people, man. Be better people. I'm looking forward to the next discussion. Um, and we'll be posting these every every Wednesday on uh, where you get your podcast and on I'm Black, You're White, Now What, the Facebook page. And so... Um, with that, Doc, what you got to say? Uh, always a pleasure. And we hope that um, people will comment and like the, you know, the podcast and the posts and let us know about topics that you would like to discuss or guests that you have to suggest. We're open right. to all these different possibilities um, because, it, you know, I think I've had enough conversations with David to know, you know, you and I agree that it's it's only through conversation and friendship and relationships and real honest conversations that we can reach a greater understanding and achieve i hope your goal our shared goal of seeing everyone treating everyone with equal status absolutely absolutely all right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you soon. Thank you for listening to I'm Black, You're White, Now What? You can find more episodes on the podcast channel Teaching What It Takes, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. To learn more about the work I do, visit www.preparingthepath.com. And to learn more about the work I do, visit drchristhurber.com.